Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back, beautiful mamas. I have another amazing mama for you to meet this week. Alison Hillary is another mama who I met a couple of years ago as she was in a pretty dark place. Motherhood had cracked her open. As she describes in this interview, motherhood, and especially her second child, was the beginning of her awakening. And I love bringing these interviews to you because although I really want to continue getting the world's best matrescence experts into your ears as often as possible, as I share at the end of this interview with Alison, I also think we learn so much from hearing other mamas, mamas who were living their lives and thought motherhood would just come in easily into their life. And when it didn't, And when it cracked them open, it sent them on this journey, this seeking for answers. All of our answers are different. All of them will lead us to different places. But at the end of the day, really, what we're looking for is deep self-compassion and love for who we are, the deep changes that we're going through as women and mothers And that's what Alison has found. Over the last few years, she has learned how to connect to her heart with deep self-compassion and kindness in such a way that has transformed her life. I hope you enjoy this interview, beautiful mama. dedicated to changing the conversation about what it means to be a mother and a woman in this day and age. I'm Amy Taylor-Cabaz, author, mama and former journalist. 
After spending 15 years chasing news and burning myself out trying to be Superwoman, I realised that I was chasing a dream that no longer served me. And since then, have dedicated myself to understanding the transition that we go through as women when our whole identity shifts with motherhood. Every week, I will bring you the very best insights and inspiration I can find to help us all change the way we feel about this time in our lives and create a movement that allows us to honour motherhood differently. Beautiful Alison, I'm so glad to be speaking with you today. These are some of my favourite podcast episodes when I get to connect with mamas that I have grown with over the years and you and I have certainly grown together, haven't we? (laughs) Yes, that's for sure. Uh, You've got such a beautiful story to share, a story that I think many mamas relate to, that this process of losing yourself in the early times of motherhood to find yourself but find a whole new amazing version of yourself that you didn't even know was there before. So let's start right back at the beginning and share with me about your entry into motherhood and and what happened. Okay, so I started a little bit later in life wanting children and um, when I decided I wanted a baby I thought it would happen straight away but no um, it took about 18 months for my first child to be born and so I guess my journey into motherhood began then because I had to sort of start doing the inner work and work on myself because I wanted this baby so badly Um, And then that time when I did fall pregnant, I just remember how joyful I was. You know, I'd had this contrast of wanting a baby so badly. So when I was pregnant, I was just, I guess, beaming, you know. I was so happy and joyful um, and really loved the experience of being pregnant that first time. Um, And then same with the birth. It was such a really an empowering birth experience and I got that hit of um, oxytocin afterwards and I guess continued that feeling of joy after that first birth. Um, There was a complication though. Indigo was born with um, a hypoplastic thumb type 4. So she um, had a thumb attached by skin with no bone or muscle in it Mm -hmm. and we called it her um, floppy thumb. So... (laughs) Yeah, I guess that like underneath the joy, there was um, that grief of that processing as well. And we had a lot of specialist appointments and visits to the children's hospital. And we had to decide whether to um, go ahead with surgery that would remove that thumb and turn it in um, her pointer finger into a thumb so that she would have four fingers, but she'd be able to, to functionally use her thumb. So, um, yeah, straight away motherhood was, you know, just smack bang, bang in my face, I guess. But This yeah. is the thing, isn't it? You know, if you told this story to someone who hadn't been a mama yet, they might realise it would be challenging to face that, but they wouldn't know what it really feels like. Every mama that's listening right now 
would empathise with what that would have felt like. First time mama, struggled to fall pregnant, finally pregnant, here's your beautiful baby and there's something that is not considered normal. There's big decisions to be made. You're thrown from one appointment to the next. And now we know about matrescence and this beautiful transformation that you're going through. When you're thrown into that uncertainty and fear and questions of what will this mean for her, it is, yeah. it is overwhelming, isn't it? Yeah, it was a lot to um, process. And, and you're right because um, that's the first thing that came to me because I'd been working with children and families for almost 20 years before I had um, my first child and that was the first thing, you know, I finally understood. I had no perspective whatsoever of what it was like for the the mums Mm -hmm. and that was I worked with children with special needs so I just totally connected with their own um, journey and had so much more compassion for the the parents that I'd been working with. So that was... um, the first gift I got from it, I guess. Wow. I love that you pointed that out. Exactly. There's always gifts in there, isn't there, somewhere? Yeah. So how did yeah. you navigate that, though? Um, well, so I have always been interested in spirituality and um, energy work. So I guess I that's, I leaned on that quite a lot. I've got a – I had a beautiful teacher and – she was just a huge source of light and love and, and she really helped me through it through um, meditation and energy and, and spiritual healing. So um, she was my guide through that, I guess. And also at that time I had my husband was changing jobs, so he was home a lot during that time and I had close friends that had babies. So I had a lot of support around me at that time. So that really helped, yeah, it, it got me through it. But how dark was it at times? Um, well, be t- to be honest, I j- the joy override that those mm. feelings in that first um, pregnancy and birth. Um, but after having Indigo, I wanted a baby really quickly. <laughs> I was very clucky straight away, and because we'd taken a while to fall the first time, we we started quite quickly trying and that happened pretty much straight away the second time round. So I guess that's when I started to struggle the most because um, now I had this this toddler that I was caring, or baby still, I guess, caring for. I was pregnant, breastfeeding. I was back at work three days a week. And I had that that fear of what could go wrong, that such a simple um, time you know, that would have happened at around six weeks, um, six to ten weeks when I was pregnant with Indy and I'm not, you know, no one knows why it happened. So I had a lot of fear of things going wrong, I guess. Mm. Um, and the job that I was working with, I had a couple of students with mental health and it was quite scary, like it was this quite scary um, time at work as well, working with those children. So the second pregnancy was very um, anxious and I was very tired and drained um and then when I had my second child 20 months later that's when the darkness really kind of overwhelmed me and I never got that hit of good hormones um I was very flat from as soon as um, I gave birth and 
my second child never settled. <laughs> she just cried and she wouldn't sleep. She just wanted to feed constantly. Um, to get her to sleep, I'd have to bounce her on an exercise ball. It really, she loved the motion. And then I'd get her to sleep and she'd be, then the eyes would pop open again, mm. you know. So I guess that's when my real um, awakening started to happen was was after my second child. Um, I was really drowning in this darkness and, and drowning in the overwhelm of having a 20-month-old and a newborn. Um, I'd lost my connections. My friends had gone back to work full-time. My best friend moved. Her husband got a transfer, so she was five hours away. My husband had a new job. He was working 10-hour shifts and travelling an hour to and from work um and my spiritual teacher three days after Zoe was born her husband had a really serious motorcycle accident and ended up in a um, rehabilitation center for the next 19 months wow so it's just amazing (laughs) you know everything just um happened at once for me and I, um, we also moved house. I just had so much going on and I was not coping and I was in this darkness. I was diagnosed with postnatal depression and yeah, I was really struggling. But when you list it all like that, and I'm sure the mamas listening can hear it, it's a perfect storm. It is everything that we hope a new mama can have around her, in place, within her, was not there. You know, not only were you depleted before the birth even began because really you probably didn't have enough time to process everything or let your body rebuild. When we look at the work of Dr. Oscar Serilac, you're still in the full throes of postnatal depletion and then you're back, you're breastfeeding while you're pregnant, like physically there would have been such imbalances. But then to have your your mentor your guides your friends even your husband all of that support that we now say needs to be strong around a new mama when that's not there either yes you know it's no wonder no wonder that diagnosis came along right I know I know and I know that now but in the in the thick of it I just I couldn't see any of that I just uh you know um had all of that inner mean mama talk happening and yeah I just wish I had have known that back then that's for sure that's what I was going to ask you next is how does it make you feel now to to be able to almost stand back where you are now and look at what happened and how it all unfolded how does that feel now to see it so clearly um well now I really do look at it with such gratitude because I know that it had to happen and I really view it. I've heard of us, um, I've heard of it referred to as us as a tube of toothpaste and, mm. you know, we're fine while everything in our life is running along smoothly. But as soon as pressure is applied or we're squeezed from outside circumstances, then all of our stuff comes out. Mm. So I was just squeezed big time and, you know, I'd been this person my whole life that was praised for being calm and collected and, you know, I'd learned to just suppress everything. So everything was within me and by being pr- 
um, squeezed so much. I just really spewed like all of this stuff out of myself that was there to be healed. Um, so it was, it was working for me in the end because I, I learned to move out of uh, being a victim and to do the inner work so that I could become empowered again. So, yeah. Um, and instead of seeing it as something that you failed at or you had something wrong with you, it's almost a symptom of the tight squeeze that then brought all of these things to the surface so that they could be healed. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, it's taught me so much and I'm a completely different person now because of it. So when we first met, I don't remember how many years ago it was now, Al, yeah. um, maybe three, four I don't remember. Um, when was it? Oh, God, it would have been about two, maybe two. Oh, really? Is that all? See, I feel like yes. it's been a lot longer because I have witnessed in you the mama rising. <laughs> you know, this is this is why I love what I do. This is why I will stand on every rooftop and on every stage talking about what happens when we empower a mama in matrescence to honour what's happening to her differently because she then transforms before your eyes. And I've seen this with you. I've seen, I remember in the early conversations of you and I in my programs and then in different things that we've done together since, just this rising into this beautifully graceful clear person of who you are and I know that we still have moments of wobbles and there's still much more to go but when you think about what you know about yourself now because of what you've been through in the last few years what do you know um well I just that sort of made me think also um so I've always had this this innate purpose to serve and and I did that through working with children and and from being a mum and going through that darkness, I've really learned that um, the biggest impact we can have really is on mothers, you know, because they are the anchor and they are the the centre. And by healing the mother, then we are healing the children and, and then that will impact the world. So that's one major thing that I got out of it. Um, but also, yeah, going within, I have learned you know I'm quite a sensitive person so I've learned um, more about energy and how to um, work with my sensitivity I guess and that by building that energy and my energy body I have I see that as a a gateway to um, the higher dimension so I really am very connected to my soul and the divine Mm -hmm. after this experience um and the major thing that I've learned is about the power of my heart. So loving kindness and self-compassion has been a huge light bulb moment for me because um, when we can heal and connect to our heart and give ourselves compassion, then we can, that does spill out to the world. And then, um, yeah, and I believe that, that the heart is the doorway into our our true selves um yeah so it it sounds quite out there no it doesn't it just I I've I've heard you speak about this I've even seen you do this um in person so I know how powerful it is but I want to see if we can translate that into the listeners 
When you say connect with your heart, loving kindness, self-compassion, this is an absolute daily practice and way of living for you now. Can you describe what you do to live this way? Like what does that look like in your day and when you feel darkness and you feel like, oh, my God, what's the point? And all of those things that we feel as busy mothers and women, what do you come back to now? Well, I guess um, I'm because I'm aware of it now, so I can use it in each moment. If um, I'm feeling triggered by something or um, feelings are arising, then I can. Um, I'm more aware of it, and and I guess then I try and find a moment where I can go within and um, really go into my heart center. So, you know, before this journey, I really had a sort of an armour built around my heart to protect me, but I've sort of energetically released all of that so that I can feel, um, you know, I guess one way I do it is I think about my children and I connect into that love and then I um, give that love to myself. So through inner dialogue, you know, oh, you know, this is a really hard day, but, you know, you're doing a great job and and just but feeling it energetically and coming into that heart centre. And then when I give myself compassion, then I can give other people compassion, you know, to my husband particularly that, um, you know, he's just doing his best as well and he's got his own inner wounds that he's dealing with. So um, I can really give, come back to a place of compassion for him. And by doing that, it doesn't escalate the day, like the day seems to, um, go a lot smoother so I'm not triggering through my thoughts and feelings I'm not triggering um, more obstacles or barriers or um, you know conflict I guess um, yeah I think it's so important because we talk about these vague ideas well they might sound vague you know live from your heart self-compassion first loving kindness talk to yourself as if you would talk to your children mother the mother all of these ideas that we scroll through on Instagram and think yeah yeah double click and move on but this is actually a way of living this is actually a practice so when you're triggered by one of your children when your partner does say something and it it makes a reaction within you all of these things or even if you're just you know at that time of the month and you're really down on yourself these are practical things you can do so you can connect in with your heart and breathe and feel those barriers shift is that what you would do yeah, so I I do a loving kindness meditation daily. So that's one where I do um, connecting with that. Like I picture a um, a rose at the center of my heart, and then a picture of my children in my heart, and really connecting to that sense of love. And then um, through my energy work, I project that onto um, an image of the planet. So I really do bless our planet and everyone on it. And then. Um, what the what happens then is that the blessings are actually brought back to me. So I can, it raises my vibration and it brings in those feelings of of joy and compassion. Um, but also, yeah, if I don't have a lot of time, that I do just breathe, get really um, centered, and breathe, and 
really just put my intention on my heart space. And I've got this um, theory that what we shine a light on grows. So I, I just picture a light on my heart centre and if you're sensitive, you'll feel it, but if not, it's still happening. So you just feel your heart expanding, I guess, and and because love is the most powerful um, force, then that kind of washes away the um, the stress and the anxiety and the the guilt. So I guess it's a way of um, raising out of those those problems, like not having to always sit with it, I guess, which I, I understand mindfulness, you do sit with it and let it process and I, I do do that as well, but a daily practice is that I come into my heart and I feel like it does wash away a lot of that so that I don't have to um, sit with it for too long. It processes more quickly. That's it. And, you know, what we focus on expands. Yes. You can focus on this beautiful loving space within you that is your truth. As you said, this is your soul. This is who you really are and that everything is happening for us so we can connect with this. It's like the purpose of matrescence for you was to be able to find this loving kindness, don't you think? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, That self-compassion and I feel like my soul wants to, like I talk about life lessons, you, you can pass it 50% or um, if your soul wants to master something then they have to get it right, you know, like 85% of the time. So I really connect with that feeling that my soul wants to master compassion for myself and others. So, um, wow, I love I, that. Yeah, it sort of, it does help because, you know, we're all, human and we're all going through um life so you really do uh, for me I need that higher perspective to to not get sucked drawn down into it Mm. to just rise out of it and um I just I've I'm really loving this quote at the moment that I've got in a book so I thought I might read it which kind of illustrates how I view life at the moment Mm -hmm. yes please I love a quote (laughs) so it's um suffering and obstacles are part of the human experience but they are just classrooms when we get it right the suffering fades away obstacles disappear and life flows with ease and grace all we have to do is look out the window of that classroom to notice the beauty of the world and all the things that are good already so I guess that's how it sums it up you know I'm very focused at the moment life's not perfect but I'm looking out that window of the class, which I used to do a lot. And, yeah, I'm very clear and focused. I love that analogy so much because when you're in that classroom of suffering, it is teaching you something. It is a classroom. Yes. What a beautiful way to describe it. But we have a choice that once we've learned what we need to, we can look out the window and focus on something else and then move out of it. I Mm. love that, Alison. Yeah. It's really beautiful. I thought that might help a few mamas. So you said something uh, earlier, which I'll just finish on. You said something that I deeply believe too, that if we heal the mama or support the mama, then we're healing and supporting the children and I think healing and supporting the world. So because of what you've been through and you can see that perfect storm now and you can see the squeezed toothpaste and you can see the classrooms you've had to sit in, what would you wish for mamas? What are you hoping 
to be of service to help those mothers now? Um, well, I guess all of your work around matrescence, I think, is um, so important to to get out into the world and also, um, like you talked about, that postnatal depletion and, and supporting the mother, not just the, the baby. Um, but, yeah, I guess my, um, my sole um, purpose would be because I have all of this um, experience and skill in energy work, I'd really love to to teach and to heal through energy work and also empowering mums to uh, connect to their true self and to, to heal their hearts and to um, raise out, rise out of their problems and to live their best life, I guess. Um, and to remember to look out that window. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. No matter where they are. That's right. I love it. And come back to that self-compassion and loving kindness. That's what it is. Yes. Yep. Amazing. As I say to all the mothers on my podcast that I know through my programs, it is such an honour to have been there in the darkness, in those moments of darkness with you, and to now be able to bring your light to others. I think, you know, yes, I always want to bring experts Uh, and teachers onto this podcast who help us understand matrescence better. But I really think we learn the most by seeing ourselves in the other and knowing that this has always got a purpose and we can come through it and feel so connected to who we really are like you have. So thank you, beautiful, for sharing the story. You're welcome. Thank you. As always... It is such an honour to bring these stories to you. This really is a movement, a movement to empower and heal mamas everywhere. As Alison and I both said in this interview, we believe that if you can heal and support a mama, you heal and support the children and the world. And so thank you for sharing this interview with us. Please share it far and wide. Send it to your mother's group, send it to your sisters, even send it to your own mother. The conversation around matrescence needs to continue in every corner of the globe. And if you'd like to see more of Alison's beautiful story and even look at the energy work and the commitment she now has towards helping other mamas, you can find her on Instagram or just click in the show notes for the direct link. Until next week, Satnam.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.